Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, cool. Uh, so welcome, everybody. This is New York HR. We had some technical difficulties, but we are back. Uh, excited to talk about. So today we're gonna we're gonna call BS on benchmarking, particularly in HR decisions, and it's an interesting topic. My guest today is Jonathan Basker, um, who brought this idea to me. We were in a couple of uh, different uh, HR networks, uh, and I said, you know, anybody want to be a guest on the show? You know, I have to beg people sometimes because not a lot of people like calling bullshit on things. Uh, but Jonathan was like, yeah, let's do it, and let's. I like calling BS on benchmarking. Uh, Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. How are you doing? How's I'm your doing life? Good. How's your week? Yeah, pretty, listen, you know, I, I like to say we've survived and accelerated during this time. And so I am a very blessed human being and all my family is healthy and safe. And so uh, count my blessings every morning because I could have been part of what they, what I, I, I heard someone call it the Thanos snap. <laughs> startups. Um, and I keep using that, by the way. So um, this topic is interesting because benchmarking has been around in, in business forever, in HR a little, a little later than that. But, you know, we're all sort of benchmarking. And in fact, my HR system benchmarks me against other, H, uh, other tech companies. My, my engagement system benchmarks me. By the way, I'm doing fantastic, uh, by the way, in, in both of those benchmarks. I'm exceeding Congrats. and excelling on <laughs> benchmarks across the board. Um, but you're saying that's, that's bullshit. I'd love, just give me a brief, like why, why benchmarking? Why are we calling it? Why do you think it's, it's BS and, uh, and, and what should HR folks be thinking about? Because the way our show works is we like to call bullshit and then, okay, what's the solution? What's the, uh, what's the right decision to be made here? Oh, I have to offer a solution. I I, I got it. No. <laughs> uh, so, so, um, I mean, not that I want to pull the punch because I love the premise of this show, but I, I think I should start by saying it, it's not that I think all benchmarking is bullshit. I think the way that benchmarks and benchmarking thinking are often applied can be really problematic, if not downright harmful, both to the individual company and, and to an industry and, and to the entire um I know this sounds so grandiose, but like capitalist economic system. Um, and, and here's what I mean. Uh, I'll use an example that you and I have both seen. So as you mentioned, like, you know, we initially started this conversation over a couple of these HR threads, these HR groups. It's not so uncommon for an HR leader to be tasked with something like creating a vacation policy. And frequently, one of the first things they'll want to do is go out and benchmark against other companies and say, well, how is everybody else treating this? And there's probably a couple of reasons to do that. One, you need to know what your like, candidate and employee expectations are. And, and that's important. Like, you need that context. Two, frequently, not always, you have a pushy, nosy CEO, COO, whoever, who's going to be a little bit tough on you trying to like, ask you to show your work and prove that you've done this thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, those aren't wholly unsensible, but it becomes this knee-jerk reaction where we all just chase each other to the middle. We get this false sense of confidence that we've done it well because it's how everybody else has done it. But, but my big thing with benchmarking is one, it, it maintains and supports the status quo, which can be very dangerous or, or just not helpful. Um, two, it does not acknowledge any nuance uh, that might exist between company A and company B. And three, it assumes that the companies that you're benchmarking from did a smart and sensible job in the first place, even for themselves, which is frequently not true. So, you know, I, I work in a startup context, you work in a startup context. And I mean, what would you say the average number of weeks off in a startup context is? I'd, I'd say three to four weeks are what they tell you, or they give you flexible or unlimited vacation, most of which you don't really get to use. So, you know, in reality, people tend to, to take, I'd say, somewhere between zero to three weeks, normally somewhere about a week and a half. Uh, I haven't actually gone and done that research in a while, so I'm sort of <laughs> fudging that. But um, who's to say whether or not that's the right amount of vacation for, for your business? Um, that doesn't account for your values. It doesn't account for your philosophies on work. doesn't account for your, uh, you know, the cycles of your business and the motions of it. Maybe you should have a, a policy that says everybody shuts down from, you know, 25th till after the new year because we don't have any business then we might as well get the uh, the breather etc so so i guess that's my opener is that it's very thoughtless it's very reactive and my main problem with it is you're you're taking someone else's thinking as your own without really knowing the quality of thinking they did in the first place right which, which is interesting right because um we all do it and we all have done it right and and you know, it, the manifestation of that is in these groups that you and I are a part of. The way, the how we connected is 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 this living and breathing type of thing. Now, outside, I would say, not every question is a benchmarking question. It's it's idea sharing. It's and 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 there's really great stuff that happens, but there is a component of it where there is this idea of benchmarking. You know, how many vacation days do you give? Do you give unlimited or not unlimited, right? It's this seeking of knowledge and curiosity um, that's interesting, but your point is well taken. I mean, the idea of status quo, right? So you're basically, and I really love your point about assuming the thoughtfulness <laughs> and the intelligence that went into that decision. Uh, Cause I could tell you sometimes I've, I've, I haven't put, you know, 100% of that in into these decisions, at least earlier in my career. Um, but I love that framework because you're assuming, and, and we often do it. And, and a lot of it comes with the company logo, right? So we assume that these companies that we hear great things about, have put this time and effort into these decisions. Um, and in fact, it's probably been a culmination of them going out and benchmarking and doing the same thing. So regurgitating some of this, uh, some of this benchmarking process. Um, nuance is interesting. You know, we have an unlimited PTO policy where I am, but we are also shut down at the end of the year because we're focusing on uh, selling uh, technology and market research platform into marketing groups uh, who are often uh, out and on vacation that last part of uh, December into, into January. So it just made sense from a business perspective for us. Uh, but yeah, very thoughtful in that, in that sense. Question here, after all mm -hmm. that BS um, I just, uh, just talked about, why, why? You know, like I always say, HR people are smart. These aren't dumb folks. Why are, why are we constantly going out and trying to benchmark? Why do you think this, this need ha exists and, and how could we go about, I mean, I know you talked about what you shouldn't do, but how should people be thinking about these things? 
Yeah, and first, you know, in, in defense of our HR brethren, it's not like we're the only um, function within a business that tends to do this more softer benchmarking or really just looking at best practices and um, and looks to beg, borrow, and steal what is, you know, at least regarded as the in-the-moment best-in-class answer to a question. And, and again, I don't want to crap all over that as a universally dumb or bad thing to do. Of course it's not. And, and going out, I actually think benchmarking has its place and is really important when you're going to go and, and do something new. There's no reason at all why you shouldn't go and explore how other people solved a problem you yourself are going to have to go and explore. All I'm calling out is that should not be the end of the road, or at least I don't believe it should be the end of the road. And so, you know, I, I think HR, to answer your, your question about why, my, my guess, my hunch is that um, one, our version of it, the version of it that you and I experience, which is a, you know, let's just call it HR going from back of house to front of house is actually still relatively new. So the function itself, even after all this time, is still sometimes, frankly, far too often trying to fight for its like existential relevance. Right. And so there's some amount of like, hey, I matter and I'm smart. You're right. Like I think most HR people, at least most of the HR people that I've encountered are, are a beautiful blend of, of like high intelligence, high emotional intelligence. That, that tends to be the, the, in the broadest sense, the profile of someone who's going to be successful in that role. And, and in the modern world, part of their job tends to be tying the operational needs of the business with the uh, operational needs of the organization and, and the human needs of, of the you know, human beings in that, that operation, in that organization. And, um, you know, that's tricky stuff. It's something everybody has an opinion on. And, and I think benchmarking can frequently be a way to deflect against some of those less informed, but just as enthusiastic opinions. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, and I think most HR people, certainly myself have, have experienced that moment. And so it's a helpful way. I mean, part, sometimes it's, it's about defending an idea that someone doesn't believe for no good reason. And so the, the benchmarking data is actually on your side. You know, you have, I'm making this up and I've never experienced it to this degree, but you have a CEO who's like, I don't believe in vacation. I think people should work here because they want to work here. We're trying to become the next, you know, multi-billion dollar unicorn and people should just be grateful that they have a shot at that you know, it'd be helpful to be able to go to that person and say, well, let's look at all of the multi-billion dollar unicorns and what their vacation policy looked like at this phase in their life cycle, because none of them had zero vacation and they all seem to work out fine. So it's, it's a helpful tool in that way. But I think, um, I, I, I think most of HR is still viewed as a check the box function and it just isn't. And, and so as long as the, the function itself is being viewed at like, Hey, can we just check these boxes? Let's just come up with a, vacation policy, let's figure out comp and benchmarking, check, 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 check. Um, and not as a central strategic potential superpower for the business, then it's always going to be just go out and like find out what the middle average is and let's just do that. So I think it really sits in the, the overall uh, viewing of the function more than the people who tend to sit in the seat, if that makes sense. It, it does. And in fact, I think I worked for a couple of those CEOs you mentioned, uh, <laughs> not believing in vacation um, in my startup career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it absolutely makes sense because I, I think most of the forces that you're dealing with, particularly in HR, are potentially CEOs that maybe it's their first company, they've never run a company before or do have a very traditional point of view on certain things. 
and you you try to build this this idea this vision to say okay you know two things one is where do you think that ceo wants her company to be and two you know what kind of ceo does she want to be right and so then of course you go out and look at companies and you try to you know there's this game that we play it's like okay you know who do they admire like who do they retweet okay it's mark benioff at salesforce so what is salesforce doing okay and 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 that literally becomes you know, if you want to run a program, it's a strategy. It's, you know, and so in some cases when you're benchmarking, it's a little bit more manipulative than, than, uh, than just benchmarking. You're like, oh, here's your favorite company by your favorite CEO, and this is what they do. Wouldn't you want to be just like them? So it's fascinating. Um, so in the world of, of, of things to benchmark in HR, and, and uh, maybe take some time to think about this, but already, or unless they, you have a couple off the top of your head, but what, are, what would you say are the ones that are most at risk? Meaning the things that maybe you shouldn't go out and just strictly benchmark on. What are the HR, you know, whether it's metrics or things, have you thought about that at all and, and thinking about which, which ones are too much of a slippery slope? I mean, I know it's such a duck of an answer, but what does come to mind is all of them. Um, and I'm thinking through, are there some that are especially dangerous? I'm going to call um, BS on that answer. No, you're probably right. As I mentioned at the top of the show, right? Diversity, it's, you know, all these sort of things. And we're, you know, one thing I started thinking about recently was not only benchmarking against these other companies, and it's in the platforms now. Some of them are super smart and they're like, okay, we have all these clients um, with all this data, we should be able to tell other clients how they're performing against other clients, right? So um, there's interest in there and now it's, it's actually within, within the data, within the software itself, but I like benchmarking against myself. So how did we do last year, right? To me, that has become more of a fundamental thing. Are we improving, right? So it's just solely benchmarking against how we're doing as a company and how we're progressing. Is our attrition down? Not necessarily, and I think this is probably to your point, it's not necessarily going up against Google or other companies where there are nuances like, you know, hey, being able to offer, you know, uh, higher salaries and, and greater perks and all that sort of stuff uh, versus a, you know, early stage startup. It's a different, it's a different kind of scenario, but um, sort of dancing here as you're thinking about what those metrics could be, but uh, any, any thoughts on like anything top of mind? Like, is there one metric? Yeah. Where because you, you picked out PTO, right? That was your first. Yeah, and that's that's just you know one as an example. I mean, I, I think uh, uh, you know as you were spe speaking, a couple things came up for me, and one of them is is just the reminder to everyone that like it's a, it is a double edged sword. So you mentioned diversity. You know, if you look at diversity, access, equity, inclusion, benchmarking can also be a, a terrific boon in moving a needle. So what happens is some first movers say what we're doing isn't good enough. And we're throwing a new stake in the ground. And here it is. And when enough of those first movers do that, you don't have first movers anymore. What you have is, is a new top end that you can include in that benchmarking data. So if uh, you know several large well-known tech companies in my world set what at the time are very ambitious uh, goals publicly, that actually changes what the definition of very ambitious is because those are becoming normalized. And so in that way, I mean, if I'm being fair, there have been moments when as the industry rebenchmarks against itself, 
it's actually balancing in a, a more positive direction around several categories that, that we can look at. And, and PTO, by the way, is one of them. Um, on the other hand, I, I think it's probably a yo-yo effect. I think after that, there is then a slowdown until the next first movers emerge. And so I guess the thing that I would point out, and then, and then I'll answer your question directly about are there things that are especially dangerous. Um, the thing I'll point out is, is that the, the people everyone are following with benchmarking are the people, or the, excuse me, the companies that themselves did not benchmark against anybody. So benchmarks are meant to copy the behavior of those who were successful and I think most people fail to realize that the actual behavior to copy was thinking in an original way, in a sound way, and in a useful way about your own organization and what it was for and what it needed and what it was able to produce. And looking at the development of the company and development of the human system of it uh, from that lens. And if that means that you end up being one of the first companies to say, hey, we have flexible time off because who we are is an organization that trusts its employees and wants people to rest and recover. Great. And, and yes, eventually you'll get a lot of downstream credit for being original, but it, that may, hopefully that's not what you were chasing. What you were chasing was a sensible and um, powerful culture and, and internal system that was gonna get the job done for the business. Um, and so I wish people would chase that rather than chase the data exhaust of what happened to work for any particular business. And in terms of- uh, And I know, love to, oh, I, I'd love to pause there because I think that's really a powerful statement. And it's, it's essentially the, the tagline to, to the show today, right? So it's essentially what, and let me sort of recap in my middle-class New York way, by the way, <laughs> I, I say that on every show, because um, you know, I'm not that bright, but um, so let me, what, what, what you're saying is don't necessarily be the first mover on certain things that are based on your business needs and what you think are right for your business or that will impact positively your business outcomes versus going out and comparing to other folks. And so you become that bent. You like your unlimited PTO at some point in the history of the world, someone said, let's just give people unlimited PTO. Um, for whatever reason, and you can argue there were some reasons that were, were good, some reasons that were um, not so good, whatever the mm -hmm. reasons were, um, but you're, you're not necessarily going, okay, do we give, in that decision, you're looking at the benchmarks going, oh, four, four weeks, you know, two weeks for new hires, four weeks for mid-level hires, six weeks for senior, and you're going, screw it all. <laughs> we're going to give everyone, you know, unlimited days. And, and yeah. that way people don't have to worry about that stuff. And now you're setting the new standard. Um, so did I, did I capture that? Right. So when you're, so your advice to HR folks is essentially, I used to, I love, I love this phrase. It's like, we don't, you know, we're, we don't think inside the box or outside the box, we burn the fucking box. Me, <laughs> um, and we can curse on this because we call bullshit. Um, I like it. Is that, is, did I capture that right? Totally. And um, you know, we talked in the outset, uh, you know, in, in the prep for this call about OKRs is one of my favorite examples of this, excuse me. <laughs> and um, it, again, it's soft benchmarking, but you will see, uh, at least in the startup world, folks go out and say, hey, we're thinking about implementing a goaling system because we're finding that things internally are a little bit erratic. And what kind of goaling system does everybody use? And OKRs are very popular lately. 
because they worked for one of the biggest uh, tech companies on the planet and because that tech company has spent a lot of time, money and energy, um, you know, socializing that and doing PR about how amazingly thoughtful they were in the early days and currently and, you know, it's, 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 it's employment branding and they've been very effective at it. It's Google, of course. So, yes. um, so everyone says, oh, well, if it worked for Google and Google's so smart, it should work for us and, and they adopt it. And, and that is amplified when they go out and ask all of their peers who are, are in the startup ecosystem and say, what do you guys use? And they say, oh, we use OKR. Now, now, most people are smart enough to ask the next question, is it working for you or not? And some people will say, yes, it's working tremendously well. It's actually been a great fit for us and it's hugely helpful. Other people won't say, what they won't say that I wish they'd say is, no, it totally sucks and we need to move off it. What they'll say is, we haven't figured it out yet. We're still working on it. And, and they may or may not have the recognition because the tool itself has been so lauded and, and upheld as so smart that maybe it's just not the right system for your particular ecosystem. There is more than one version of uh, goal setting and goal discussion. And it is an incredibly nuanced and, and alive, ever-changing perennial topic in most healthy companies. So that, I feel like I sort of uh, lost our original thread of the question, but to me, like that's the core of it. It's just, it's actually that simple. It's just do your own original thinking by actually matching what everyone else has had to say back to the thing you're actually working on. And, and, and just recognize that might not be, it's simple, but not necessarily easy. That might be an incredibly difficult job, but um, like maybe OKRs aren't working at your company because they're actually a terrible fit for your, your team, your culture, your business. And, and just because everyone else is doing it, this isn't, this isn't the, like your mom or your dad saying, if everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you also, it's, it's similar, but it's, it's more that right. just because it, just because everyone else did jump off a bridge and didn't hit the rocks doesn't mean your version of the jump won't be different. Um, and, and maybe you will hit rocks and maybe you won't. And uh, yeah, so, so I actually think this is a bigger problem than most people are aware of because benchmarking is, is so common. I mean, even looking at something like comp, which is the classic, right? This is where probably one of the first and still most widely accepted just default. Of course, you're going to benchmark against other companies. It makes so much sense. You want to know, like we need a data scientist. They need to be able to work on this kind of data set. And uh, like, we can actually go out and discover how much that person tends to be valued in the market. Like, should you do that? Absolutely. Is that everything you need to think about? No. How critical is that data to your business now and soon and further into the future? Um, how central is that piece of the company to other uh, like business units and teams? And in other words, how much of a cultural impact is this person going to have? How, in other words, should you overpay for this role because it's more important to you? And, right. and benchmarking can't tell you those kind of things. And so all I'm saying is keep doing all the benchmarking you're doing and know that that's only the beginning of an exploration that should be much more nuanced and tied to your business uh, rather than the end of the game. And I, I love your point about OKRs because you're, you're absolutely right. I think what tends to happen, um, and it's inside and outside of HR, and, and we're actually going through this practice at, at Suzy and I've been in multiple organizations and here's where I made a mistake. Um, I've been in multiple organizations where we tried this again, looking at Google and other folks and saying, you know what, this, this gotta work, you know, this has to work. Um, and then when it doesn't, like, I personally felt they, you know, I must be an idiot. Like, why isn't this working? Why aren't we, you know, maybe it was the way I rolled it out. And of course, you know, you can't compare a small startup or even a, a mid-sized tech company to Google and 
the firepower they have around communication. And like you said, you know, obviously the good PR helps. Um, but what I did is when someone brought this up at Susie, I said, nope, it doesn't work. It's terrible, bad idea, don't do it. And we're still doing it. So that shows you how valuable <laughs> my, my opinion is at, at Susie. Um, but it, I, I say things with a, a ton of humility because I'm, I'm, in my experience, this hasn't worked, but I believe maybe it can work here. And so let's try it. Because I believe, let, let's try it. If it doesn't work, we can always, you know, what's the big deal? It's in a, you know, it's a Google spreadsheet. Um, it's not like you're putting in a payroll system. So. I love your point about OKRs because it, it, you know, the idea here is, is it work for you and try it, like try, don't just assume that it's, you know, going to work and then just keep sort of dragging this thing along, uh, even if it's not working. Um, but, you know, give it, give it, give it a try. Um, so the original question was what metrics should be we should be careful about benchmarking. Um, and I think you express OKRs, you talked about comp, which is always an interesting benchmark because that is absolutely, like you said, it is uh, very traditional, still used, uh, arguably flawed by, by many different reasons, not just purely Certainly. the fact that, you know, look at the criticality of the role, but even in the data set, unless you're ADP and you have access to real-time payroll data, um, it's hard to really benchmark, especially in New York or San Francisco, where things just sort of move so quickly and, and resources are either scarce or abundant. Um, other, other sort of benchmarks, other sort of HR metrics that you think should be, you know, let's, let's turn it upside down and say, you know what, this is absolutely a perfect thing to benchmark. So I, I think comp is both, by the way. I think comp is, is something that absolutely it makes full simple logical sense to go out there and see what the market looks like even though as you said correctly like you're looking at last year's snapshot not not the current market and that can be a bit misleading um i i think anything that touches the employee experience it is good to know what average looks like to know what the ambient market expectation is not necessarily so you can follow it although that is a choice you are welcome to make you might just say look we don't actually like our thing is not going to be being a revolutionary forward thinking uh, organization you know our thing is going to be really good at be, be uh getting really good at selling these widgets we're going to make a bunch of money selling them and we're going to be known for that great like cool like uber is not known for their culture <laughs> i mean they are but not not in the right way <laughs> right uh and they still found a way to be massively successful now the human in me has a massive problem with that story but you know if, if i was an investor i would say uh you know that that works that's fine and and you know, I'm sure they did a lot of benchmarking to get there and it worked out just fine for them. Um, I, I would say anything though that, that touches employee expectations, you're gonna wanna know what those expectations are based on and where they came from. Um, and it, whether, you, whether you meet those expectations, whether you subvert them, whether you disappoint them, you're gonna need to know what they are so you know how to craft the narrative around that choice. So that's vacation, that's promotion, that's feedback cycles, et cetera. I mean, onboarding, like anything where you're, you're gonna go and look at and, or ask others like, hey, how do you do this? I actually think that, again, really sensible, really important for you to know what quote unquote normal looks like or that even know that there is no such thing as a general version of normal. Um, just so you know, if you're ahead of the curve, you can celebrate it. If you're the, behind the curve, you can explain it. If you're at the curve, you just know that this isn't something, you know, don't go to a candidate and say, hey man, we got 
three weeks vacation. Everyone's like, yeah, like, so does everybody else these days. It's just, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, or now, you know, one thing that I'm not, I'm not, I don't have great data on this, but, um, you know, one thing I've seen emerge in, on the benefit side in the last few years are benefits around uh, two categories. One is taking care of family members that are not your children. So, you know, siblings or aging parents and actually having a, a benefit for that. And, you know, another is, is fertility and having children. Now, right now, I would argue that those are ahead of the curve. But if everyone keeps benchmarking at some point in the next few years, I believe they're going to realize those have become table stakes. And so, again, in that sense, benchmarking is, is really helpful for just understanding what is the ambient market expectation for what I'm supposed to receive as an employee, because that's a, a target that keeps moving. And I, I, I love the advice because I only until recently did I join HR groups. And there was a fundamental reason, and I think it, it's at the heart of what you're talking about here, which is, yes, it's important to know what the market and what people are doing. But I often felt like, and, and you expressed it, you would move to that center versus thinking of new ways of doing things and exceeding expectations and thinking about whether it's, a, um, you know, we call it a Ritz-Carlton employee experience, um, which again, I guess we can say we benchmark, we benchmark something that had nothing to do with HR, which had more about, you know, customer experience and, and how they constantly listen and, uh, and exceed expectations. That's, that we're, we frame that up at Suzy as our employee experience. If I had went into an HR network and said, hey, what do you do for employee experience? I would have got some probably really good ideas, but also very baseline, like what's everyone else? And I feel like it's a fundamental difference for us. We, we definitely surprise and delight people. Um, same thing as rewards. Like I'm, I'm struggling now with, you know, Susie getting to scale, which again, in my experience, I've scaled from, you know, 50 to thousands and we're like going from 50 to a hundred. So people are freaking out and I'm like, it's okay. We're good. <laughs> well, well, we got this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's the idea of rewards, right? And and the way we handle rewards is very specific to the individual. And and we want, you know, for me, it's managers and leaders are saying, well, you know, you're putting a lot of onus on us. And I'm like, well, you should know your employee. Like, there's two reasons why we do it. One is when you get a Duke jersey because you're a huge Duke fan or a, you know, whatever, it's a very customized gift versus like a, a knife set or something like that, which, you know, if you don't cook, it's just not relevant to you. But it also, it forces the manager to know their employees. So we go out and we say, you need to get this information. Tell us what their likes, what their dislikes, what do they do? What are their hobbies? And it's, if I had went to like a, a regular rewards program, like an HR person uh, anywhere would do, it would be, okay, you know, this employee, they're an individual contributor, they get $25 and this is a manager and they get 50 and they get to pick whatever they want. But it's like, it's this just doesn't feel personalized. Um, so it's, again, to your point, um, I go out and figure out where the, the benchmark is and I say, all right, do I either exceed that benchmark or completely destroy it and think of it completely differently? And I think that's probably what, where you're going. Um, so what would you, you know, wrapping up this thought of, okay, we're going to call BS on benchmarks. Some are good. You have to do it. Um, what would you suggest three things suggest to, to, you know, an experienced HR person or a new HR leader around these things? Like what, how they should start thinking about this if they're, if they, uh, are starting to think about, you know, comparing what they do 
in comp, let's say, uh, compared to other yeah. folks? Like how, the, how frame it up for them so they're not just thinking about the benchmark piece. Sure. Um, so one of the things that I think can be really helpful and I realized, you know, as we talk about this, in my mind, what I'm talking about is generally either building something new that doesn't currently exist in the organization or a significant update to something that exists. I think those tend to be the moments where you go out and look around the world to find out what else is being done. And so, so if I'm giving three pieces of advice, a piece of advice, number one, I think by far the most important thing is to pre-socialize into the organization, into leadership, et cetera that uh, this change is coming and it may or may not be fully correct in the first go. So uh, you mentioned comp, but I'm, I'm actually gonna switch to something like performance reviews. You've never done them before. You go out, you ask everybody how they do performance reviews and let's say 80% of people come back with a, some version of a start, stop, continue model. And you say, that sounds good to me. I'm gonna start with that. Honestly, I'm fine with that. I would prefer that you go and look at what's actually alive in your business and do things like assess the strength and maturity and experience of your management team. So you understand how much nuance they're able to handle in a performance management process. Where do you expect the biggest positive lift or troubling lift to be? Like what, what hot points are about to be created in your organization? What's going to need to be resolved or tailored out of this process, et cetera. But if, if you just don't have the time or you don't have the experience for that yet, or any other myriad number of reasons why you might not want to do that, go for it. Go with the thing that most other people do. I would just encourage you to really put a pin on the advice to socialize into the company. Hey, this is a new thing for us. This is how we're going to do the first version. And we welcome and even need your feedback on how this went for you so that we can continue to take this sort of genericized first cut and really customize it or bring it to life here in in our way of what's going to work for us that's that's thing number one um thing number two is just to remember like to be really thoughtful about where the data came from and i i don't just mean is a 200 person series b startup i mean are they b2b or are they b2c what are the ratios of employees that they have are they heavy on sales or are they heavy on engineering um you know how old is is the company in terms of when it was founded what sort of ecosystem is it the same market is just just really think through like Google as an example for OKRs, you know, OKRs were instituted in that company a long time ago in a different economy and a different moment in um, uh, employee expectation in a company that was almost entirely uh, uh, engineers. And, you know, it, it might be very different from your business. And then I suppose the third thing that I would say is, um, funnily enough, do use benchmarks, you know, do use them. Don't completely throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't completely uh, discard them as useless. Just recontextualize what they're for. Well, great. I, I completely agree with, uh, with your thoughts there, Jonathan. Um, so to end the show, we, you know, where can people find you? What are you doing these days if you're not calling bullshit on benchmarking? What, uh, what are you doing and where can people find you if they need to reach out to you and have further questions? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I uh, have a blended portfolio of work. I'm, I'm about 50% HR consultant and 50% uh, leadership coach. 
and uh, executive coach. And so the easiest way to find me, honestly, is just to email me uh, first name dot last name Jonathan dot Basker at gmail.com. I'm not too hard to, to get a hold of. Um, I still don't have a website. Uh, you know, after seven years, I, I still have. I, I, it's a little bit conceited, but I like to think of myself like the A team. You know, like if you can <laughs> find me and you need me, you can hire me. Uh, except that I'm really not that hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, for all the millennials and and uh, Gen Zers, the A team was a was a great show years ago. <laughs> oh, that's right, Jesus! Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. dating myself. You yeah, may have go. to. We'll have to put a wiki link on on the. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got the reference because I'm old. Um, well, cool. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Thanks for being a guest today. Really appreciate it. Reach out. I mean, listen, if you like what Jonathan said today and you want to bring in someone that seems a little bit disruptive to, to how you're thinking about things in HR, sounds like a great person to bring into your organization uh, or scary as shit, depending on your, your <laughs> HR perspective. But of course, we're, we're trying to you know, position Jonathan as a, an innovator. So not scary at all. Uh, great, great thoughts here. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it and, uh, and appreciate it also. Take care, man. Thanks. You too. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.